Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, the podcast for conscious folk. I am your host, Christine Blasdale. This program is intended to bring you a fresh perspective on this thing we call life. And in each and every episode, we're going to dive into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as business, health, wealth, love, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide on this epic adventure, and as we embark on this journey, our ultimate goal is going to be one of transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale. It is such a joy to be coming to you today because I have a very special guest and uh, and I love the title of his book. My guest today is Dr. Gregory Charlop, a pediatric anesthesiologist and author of the book, Why Doctors Skip Breakfast, Wellness Tips to Reverse Aging, treat depression, and get a good night's sleep. Today, we're going to be learning what foods, medicines, lab tests, and supplements you need to feel young and look great. And very importantly, we're going to learn how you can use sleep and other wellness techniques to help keep you safe, you and your family safe from the coronavirus. And I want to welcome to the show, Dr. Gregory Charlop. How you doing? How are you doing? Great, great. How are you doing? How are you surviving? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Thanks to ha- for having me on the show. I'm excited to to chat with you and your listeners here. There's some good stuff to talk about. Obviously, you know, everybody's worried about the virus and how to stay healthy and you know, I'm happy to do what I can to help out. Well, and especially being a doctor right now, you probably have your friends and family inboxing you going what do i do what's going on why is the world falling apart doctor (laughs) yes yes you know it's funny well i guess it's better than getting those messages that you normally get like what is this rash you know what do i do about (laughs) yeah right Right. how do i save my marriage no Um, (laughs) don't come to me for those questions so uh, I love to have my guests uh, talk a little bit about not just, of course, the, we're going to talk about the book and we're going to talk about the things that we can do individually to Im- improve our immune system, to look good as well. And I love, I, well, I'm at that age that anything about anti-aging or reversing the aging process, I'm all in on. But I, I also like to have our listeners discover a little bit about my guests, how they got started in the careers that they're in, and why don't you take us down that road? How did you, first, an anesthesiologist, which uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording, I love anesthesiologists. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for you. <laughs> but, but tell our listeners a little bit, how did you get into medicine? Sure. Well, I, you know, it's funny, my parents always make fun of me because when I was younger, I was... <laughs> I was one of these crazy kids. I was always like mixing potions in the backyard. If, if there was something I'd get my hands on, like salt, soap, you know, whatever, I was mixing it up and I made my own special amp potions and everything. And <laughs> they, still, they still show pictures to this day of like me and my friend Ramon and this, the kind of crazy stuff we used to do as kids. But honestly, a lot of it started just because I like science. I always thought science was fun and I was interested in it. And I like it. And, you know, to be honest with you, I... I didn't think I had the patience to be a researcher. You know, it takes a lot of patience. And, you know, I'm like one of those people, I like to try something and see what happens and, and kind of get stuff going right away, you know? Right. And so I thought, well, maybe medicine would be the thing instead. So that's how I ended up in medicine. And anesthesia actually perfectly fit with my personality too, because anesthesia is all about trying something you have to act quickly. You want to get all the data you can and then make a move. And then you can actually see whether what you did had an effect or not. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you, can, <laughs> yeah. and you can kind of help people do things pretty quickly. And, and I like that. You know, I, I, like, I, I like the ability of kind of getting in there and, and, and helping people right away. So that's, that's kind of what drew me into anesthesia. And, and it's, it's been fun. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great career. It's, 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 it's a great experience. Now I've I focus on my other big passion, which is wellness medicine, which is something also I kind of got into as a kid. You know, the other story my parents like like to tell is 
when I was younger, I think I was probably maybe nine or something like that. I was invited to a birthday party. And, you know, back then the parties are all skating rinks or bowling alleys. And yeah. Yeah. So I was there, you know, you do your skating and then you go to the, the little party room afterwards and there was birthday cake. And I refused to eat the birthday cake. You know, it's funny because I don't remember this. My parents remember it was like yesterday. I refused yeah. to eat the birthday cake because I had too much sugar. And <laughs> So I was like one of these like punk nine-year-olds who like won't even eat a birthday cake at a, at a party. So I guess that's where the wellness stuff started. And I was always into, you know, artificial sweeteners, not artificial sweeteners, artificial colors and stuff like that. And so I have this, this huge interest in nutrition and food and, and what we could do to, to make ourselves healthier by how we eat and what supplements we take and how we live our lives and lifestyle. So that's, that's my big passion right now. And that's, that's what the, the book, how, why doctors skip breakfast. That, that's what that's all about. Okay. I'll ask the hundred thousand dollar question. Why do doctors skip breakfast or do they? Well, you know, so it's funny. We were chatting before the show because I, I got some pushback on this title when I first came up with it because people said, well, not every doctor skips breakfast. And you know, of course that's true, but the, the basis for the title was, so where I used to work, it was at this major academic hospital. And so I and the other anesthesiologists and the surgeons, we'd all kind of hang out, chit chat before the day started. You know, we get there early and you get the we'd be kind of, a, yeah, we get there early, you know, we'd be in the control room and we'd all be there and all of our stuff would be out, you know, scattered our books and papers and surgical supplies. We'd all have our cups of black coffee. But I noticed one day that, that nobody was eating. You know, there was, there, 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 were, there was food that was stashed away, you know, in cabinets, but no one was eating. And I thought, well, you know, I asked people and everybody was like, well, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Oh, I don't eat until noon. Oh, I don't eat until one o'clock. And of course, I wasn't eating either. So I just sort of took it for granted that nobody really eats breakfast anymore. But then I looked around other places and I found that everybody was eating breakfast and they were eating what I would consider, you know, pretty unhealthy breakfast, you know, lots of carbs and sugar and everything else. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because the way we're living our lives, us as physicians, at least the physicians I was hanging out is so different than what I see around me. And I thought, you know, we're doing a pretty crummy job of explaining things if that's what's going on, because we're doing it because we've, we've looked at the research and we've looked at the studies. We think it's a bad idea. And I, I think that we've done our profession has done a pretty poor job of explaining to the general public, you know, these, these lifestyle and health decisions you could make that can make a big difference in, in, in your overall health. Well, and is it also the, would you say that your job, especially, and a surgeon's job, you need to be extremely focused and I don't know about you, but I mean, a, a lot of times if people, especially if they're eating a, a big breakfast, you have that sort of, because you're digest, you know, you're digesting the food. Right. And sometimes you have that little bit of a, you know, post meal fog. Yes. It, would you say that it's also so that you can stay really on top of your game during those critical uh, hours? Because it's, it's several hours for a surgery, a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. Be, right? Several absolutely. hours. Absolutely. And actually... That was the big thing I noticed. Um, I'll tell you. So most of the book uh, I wrote while I was fasting, of course. <laughs> Didn't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> but but I, I, I noticed the same thing. So you think the clearest, I think, when you haven't eaten. Uh, now, uh, that isn't to say you should dehydrate yourself. You definitely want to drink water and things like that. But you drink the clearest. You think the clearest when you haven't eaten. And I've noticed going into surgery, I don't want to go in, if I'm going to start a long surgery or a complicated one, I don't want to go in on a full stomach. And the surgeons didn't want to do that either because they want to really focus on what they're doing. And like you said, if you've just eaten you know, pizza or something, and now you need to concentrate on delicate work for hours, it's hard. Yeah. You know, you get tired, you know, you want to take a nap, you, you, you get distracted, your belly, you know, is rumbling and everything. Yeah. So... So I, that's, I think you're right. Like you, you have much better focus and there's actually, you know, it's interesting. There's actually like, we think there's a biological sort of reason for this, that we evolved to be that way, which is if, if you think about our ancestors, they weren't eating all the time. You know, even the whole idea of breakfast itself, that was a recent thing about a hundred years ago, this guy, Dr. Kellogg started this. Dr. It's the same Kellogg. Kellogg from, hmm, yeah, you may recognize the name. You may recognize yeah. the name, but it's from, 
some of the cereal maker. And, yeah. And that guy is actually the one who started this whole thing that like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I mean, honestly, uh-huh. it was one of the greatest marketing moves ever. But even, you know, even snacking, you know, if you look at people even like 60 years ago, snacking wasn't a big thing. It, a lot of that is because, you know, these companies make snacks and so they push it. Yeah. So the way we eat now of kind of like eating these meals throughout the day all the time, that's pretty recent. It's not, yeah, you know, so, but if you think about our ancestors, you know, they ate when they could and, and they may have a big meal, you know, today, maybe they, maybe they killed some animal or maybe they, they found a big a beehive and they had a bunch of honey or they gorged on some fruit or something that they just found, but then they may go a day or something without eating. Correct. Right. And so we kind of evolved that way. And when you think about it, if you were designing humans or any animal, you would want their focus and their awareness to be as high as possible when they are not eating. And that's because you don't want them to starve to death. So say you haven't eaten today, you know, it's the afternoon. You want your focus to be on point because you want to be aware and look for food sources. You know, you want, you want to be thinking. You know, a lot of our intelligence was based really originally on staying safe and finding food. Yes. So if you were, I mean, starving is an extreme word, but you have, if you haven't eaten for a day, day and a half, what you want is you want your body's resources going to your brain. So you are as keenly aware as possible of what's going on around you to find food. Now, if you've just eaten, you've just, you know, killed an antelope or something and you're, and you're, and you're full and you're hungry. I mean, you're full and you're, you know, you're satiated and everything. Then you're fine. You know, you don't have to think so much. You could take a nap. You know, you've done your job for the day. You're good. Yeah. You fed you know, the tribe. <laughs> you fed the tribe and your brain could switch off. But if you haven't eaten, you need that brain power to find your next meal. Also, we were much more physically active. I mean, right. we weren't sitting in front of computers or, you know, back in the day when we were in traffic, you know, sitting in traffic, <laughs> we, were, we were actually quite, quite physical and moving a lot as well. And so that, that you know, that also has something to do with the chemi- chemistry in the brain as well. We become very sedentary and, and, and um, uh, the lack of exercise is obvious, plus the, the encouragement of multiple food sources as well, right? Um, right. So I, I, am, I am curious because something that, is, that you bring up in the title of the book and that you mentioned as well is the importance of sleep. And I know that there's, um, you know, that's something we've been told, make sure you get X amount of hours of sleep. But most people today and especially with everything that's going on in the world but a lot of times people are having a really difficult time getting um getting sleep and getting uninterrupted sleep as well um maybe it's because things that are going on in the world their mind is is going or there's interruptions but can you talk to uh to us about uh, about sleep and uh, the importance and maybe how 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 much sleep should we be getting Yes, yes. Well, sleep is, is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> well, you're an I'm anesthesiologist. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm all about. But I'm actually doing this, this uh, show from my bed here. So uh, oh, I guess perfect. it's apropos. <laughs> but yeah, no, sleep is important. And you know, it's interesting. You know, we were talking a, a few minutes ago about how we evolved. But if, it's interesting to note that almost every single animal on Earth, and I'm not just talking mammals, you know, humans, monkeys, cats, dogs, I mean, really almost everything from fish to whales to birds, even insects, almost every single animal sleeps or in insects, it's a kind of a variant of sleep. Nearly every single animal sleeps. Sleep is so important for biology. It's so, sleep is so important for anyone's body to function that not a single animal has evolved a way to not require it. And if you, if you think about it, boy, if you were looking at evolution, boy, wouldn't it be great not to need sleep? I mean, in, in the book, in My Doctor Skip Breakfast, we, I, I bring up this example, like a hypothetical example. Imagine you have like a, a Billy the Sleepless Fox. Let's say this fox evolves that doesn't need sleep, right? Imagine what an advantage he would have because oh, yeah. he would be able to spend his whole day looking for mates, right? He'd be a Casanova. He could go looking for food. He could find a great place to live. He would be much less likely to get eaten by a hungry wolf because he's aware all the time. 
Billy would have a huge advantage if he didn't need sleep. And then his kids, of course, would have a huge advantage because they didn't need sleep either. But there are no sleepless foxes. There are no sleepless animals at all because sleep is so critically important to, to our well-being. And there's just, we haven't evolved around it and neither has any other animal. So I say that to say it's, it's a shame because in today's society, and I work with a lot of high performers, you know, I'm here in Beverly Hills, and, you know, a lot of people, they wear, and when I was in the Bay, I saw this all the time in the San Francisco Bay, you know, they almost, sometimes people almost wear not sleeping as a badge of honor. Man, I worked so hard, you know, I didn't sleep. Oh, I was up all night doing all these things. Right. That's the worst thing you could do for yourself is not sleep. And so you ask, you know, how much sleep do you need? So almost everybody, and by almost everybody, I mean like 99% of people really need like seven to eight hours of sleep. And if you're one of those people who thinks, oh, I just need four hours, you're wrong. I mean, it's very, very rare that people need less than seven to eight hours of sleep. And, and when I say sleep, that's sleep, not like time in bed. So if you're right, one of those people- like out, being consciously out, right? Right, 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 right. Like actually asleep. So you probably need to be in bed longer than that, you know, depending on, you know, how long it takes you to fall asleep. But sleep is important. And what sleep does is, and here's the big thing, sleep decreases aging. It's clear. So all the stuff we think of as aging, Alzheimer's disease, fatigue, cancer, heart disease, all of those things, your risk is much higher when you're not sleeping. Gotcha. And interestingly, even if you miss one night of sleep, it has a big effect in your body. I mean, you know, it, it, they've done these tests. I don't know how, who volunteered for these tests, but they did these things where people would miss a night of sleep and they did the spinal taps on them and they took out their, this fluid around the brain. I don't know who volunteers for this stuff, but they, they got volunteers <laughs> yeah. for this. And, and, and what, it, what, the, what it showed is that they, they have the same kind of chemistry as people with early Alzheimer's disease, just from one night of not sleeping. Now, obviously, well, that kind of cleared away, but, but that's how powerful sleep deprivation well, that's is. Why, that's why the uh, in, in, uh, enhanced ter interrogations and torture, that's why they keep you awake in in solitary confinement you know if they'll blast music or whatever they keep you awake for days upon days which would drive someone crazy i would think but also make them so weak and pliable as well um, well people will actually die from lack of sleep yeah. if i fed you and did everything else everything you wanted but i just didn't let you sleep oh after a little while you would die just from not sleeping well, actually, there's a script. You should start writing a screenplay on, on that. That would be a scary movie. <laughs> I'll give you my card. We'll, uh, we'll set something up. <laughs> that would make such a scary movie. Um, so, the importance, so the importance of sleep. And then also, don't, you know, our grandparents didn't have these devices, right, right by their heads. We have, I know that, uh, and I've heard this from a few people, naturopathic physicians as well, that we have electrical currents running all around us with, with electricity in our house, right? So things that are plugged in, even though we've turned them off, there's still electricity that's going through. So we're surrounded by sort of this invisible cage of EMFs, elect, you know, radiation from the phones, the electrical charges that are around us uh, as well. And we have the elect, some people have electric uh, clocks, you know, right next to their heads. But a lot of us, a lot of people, and I'll, I'll say it myself, will keep our phones um, right. close to us. Do you have any, uh, what are your thoughts on, on those? I know that they help us through life and, and some people use their phones also as alarm clocks. But what, is your, what are your thoughts on that, especially when, in regards to the rest period and sleep? Well, I'll tell you, and, and I'm speaking as someone who loves my phone. You know, it's like practically like an appendage of my body. You know, if, I, yeah. if my phone isn't near me, I have a panic attack. So I, I get the, you know, the desire for a phone. But I'll tell you, modern society and modern technology has taken a sledgehammer to our sleep. And, and there's a few reasons for this. If you look at things like LED lights, for example, they let out this bright blue light and it tricks the brain into thinking it's daytime. And we have these in our homes now. If you look, there are more and more on streetlights outside. You'll notice them. They don't have the yellow yeah. hue of older lights. They're these bright blue lights. That stuff keeps you awake and it makes it harder to fall asleep and it makes your sleep quality worse. And then your phone or computer or iPad, any of those devices, like you're saying, they emit this blue light 
and 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 that that makes it harder to go fall asleep it suppresses your mel suppresses your um, melatonin production and makes falling asleep more difficult and it damages your sleep quality and then on top of that you know if you're like me you probably check text messages or email or something on oh, the content right you watch you look yeah. at cats just, you know spinning around whatever right yeah. right and so that stuff it distracts you maybe it causes you stress if you read the news yeah you know yeah. a lot of stressful news out there uh, if you read about your calendar for tomorrow for work you know maybe that's making it hard for you to sleep because you're thinking about the 20 things you have to do tomorrow right so the phone as much as i love it it really impacts our sleep. And so I do have a few specific tips, and I, I mentioned these in the book, but I, since you mentioned it, I'd just like to mention a few of them to your, sure, to your listeners. Sure, throw them out. Show out some freebies. <laughs> so for sure, one thing, you know, as much as you can, I know it's easier to say, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite myself here, but you want to limit or eliminate your phone use, you know, within an hour or so of bed if you can. And, and I'll admit I'm not so great with that, but, but that's what you want to try to do. Ideally, if you can, you'd want to maybe use a regular, like you were saying, an alarm clock instead of your phone. Because then what you could do is you could plug your phone in, you know, in the other room or across the hall or something and still have an alarm clock. So you'll still wake up and you could still see the time. But but you're not tempted to just keep checking your phone every two seconds. If you need to use your phone around bedtime, I really recommend you keep the screen as dim as possible. Really make your screen dim. And the other thing is you want to keep it as far from your face as possible. So if you have to use your phone, keep it dim, keep it far from your face. It may be helpful to use that, that yellow filter, like Apple has a thing, Night Shift, the Android devices, they have something. I don't think the data is as clear on that. It probably doesn't hurt. But for sure, keeping your phone dim, keep the screen away, use it as little as possible. All of those things are very important. And then even in your house, you know, you can get rid of, in your bedroom at least, I would try to get rid of those blue LED lights. Yeah. And you could I, replace I them with like better them. colors. I don't, I don't like, them, like them. They make it look yeah. horrible too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I like true. the natural light, the the spectrum, but that yellow, that warm. Yes, light, I like that. Yeah. Another one, actually, you could play around with. I haven't actually done this, but people say, and I, it's, I think it's good for your eyes. Is red. Red. Uh, if you you could actually get red lights. I know it sounds. Oh, kind yes. of, If you talk yeah. about movies, that'd be a cool movie too. But yeah. you could put red lights in your bedroom, and um, I know it sounds kind of tacky but no, but that be actually kind of is better for your eyes yeah it could be romantic right <laughs> yeah so red light or yellow light is, is is better for you than the blue led light yeah oh definitely and then what about um things that we can that, that help improve our sleep are there supplements are there things that they that you take to help improve your sleep quality yes so there are some important things for sleep and Again, these are in the book, but I, I, I'd like to mention them because I'm a big believer in this. I think it's important. This whole concept called sleep hygiene, which are these, the best practices you should do for sleeping. And, you know, obviously you want to keep your room as dark as possible, your bedroom at night. But a, a big thing, and I'll admit I've done this wrong too. I, I haven't been so good about this, is you want to keep your bedroom cold. And it turns out that yes. when you sleep... I, I know it's funny because this is like things the spouses are always having debates about this. Right, you know, right. One person likes hot, the other likes it cold. So I get it. But it turns out your body wants to be cold when you sleep. It's a natural part of sleep that your temperature drops. Drops. Right. And so ideally, you know, you don't want to be wearing 50 layers of clothes. You know, this is something I do wrong. I, I have like a ton of blankets. Like I barely can move because I have so many blankets. But that probably isn't the best thing, you know. Or if you are going to do that, you might want to have the air on or have the window open or something because you just don't want to be in a hot room when you sleep. It just makes you sleep worse. And then you also want to go to bed and get up around the same time each day, which is important I've because it trains that. your brain. Yeah, I've heard this. To, to, as, as close as you can to keep those sleep cycles. And that is really difficult for, for us uh, in modern society sometimes. Right. We're up really right. late. Sometimes we... You know, and again, it's usually after that full belly, right? You've or if you're right, eating late, right, right. Uh, I yeah. What I find is that I, I first of all, I feel really uncomfortable if I eat late, and I'll often have dreams, like weird dreams or nightmares. Right, right, right. You know, right. if I have a a, a a full stomach, relatively full stomach before going to bed. That's and you've asked about supplements. Uh, I I I will tell you there are a few that I recommend. Uh, I think zinc and magnesium. I think that they're great anyways, personally, but I, I think that they're phenomenal before bedtime. 
I, I actually take a supplement called ZMA, which combines zinc and magnesium. It doesn't matter. You know, you can take it however you like. I don't think it makes a difference. But, but I, most people don't have enough zinc anyways. But zinc and magnesium before bedtime, are, I think, are very good. And then melatonin is a hot topic. We talk a lot about melatonin in the book. I think for certain people, melatonin can be very good, uh, particularly for either people with insomnia or people who are traveling. You had told me you just, you know, you, you've mm-hmm. flown to Australia. So that has a, you know, that type, that's a situation you would definitely, I think, want to use, consider using melatonin. The trick with melatonin, and I'm a fan of it. I think it's, it's good. But the trick is, and first, if you haven't used melatonin, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, Dr. Charlotte says I should use melatonin. The first thing is, you want to use it where the next day you're going to be home. You know, you don't want to use it tonight and then have a big meeting tomorrow or have to drive somewhere or something like that because you don't know how you'll react. Right. So, you know, use it on a Friday night or something, you know, to see how you react when you're going to be home Saturday morning anyways. Because if you have, you know, if you're sleeping the next day, I don't want you getting in a car accident. So most people don't have that problem, but you don't know if you do, you know, so you want to test Correct. it. Correct, correct. The other thing is I recommend using low doses. So I would use like between 0.3, 0.3 and one milligram. You know, sometimes you see these pills are like 10 milligrams, huge doses. You don't need that. 0.3 to one. And the other thing, and this is a problem with melatonin, you know, these supplements, they're not really regulated. You know, they're not, it's not the same as if you get Pepsid or something, you know, that's a drug. And so, uh, there's a lot of variability in quality. Some are pretty shoddy right. and some are pretty good, you know, so you really want to get a good manufacturer, ideally one that's tested by a third party. And then the last tip I would give melatonin, if you like it, you use it and it helps you sleep. Don't use it every day. Boom. I would still, you yeah. want to give yourself a holiday from it, uh, you know, at least a few days a week, ideally where you don't use it because then you'll become dependent on it. You don't want that. I have um, a liquid melatonin and I only use it actually, I only, I got it only uh, when I was having, there was a period of time where I was really having a hard time sleeping. And when I broke my leg and I had, Mm. I I don't sleep on my back very well. I'm a stomach sleeper and I sleep like one of those little crawling, (laughs) you know, knee up, arm up, Uh, horrible. My, yeah, it's a horrible way to sleep. But since I was a little baby. So uh, when I had my surgery and, and I had this contraption on my leg, I could not sleep the way I normally would sleep. Plus just the pain, you know, you go, oh, it's crazy. So uh, I found that I was just like, just dying for some sleep. I just needed some rest. And so I would just do the melatonin and, and do it out of almost dead, not out of desperation, but I didn't want to take any heavy um, right, right. Uh, heavy type of, of drugs, even with the, the surgery, I actually was taking, I didn't want to take any of the, the pain medication, um, mm. or I did it as very, as the least amount of po- as possible. Um, because I wanted to actually be aware of my healing process. Right. And, um, and that's a whole other show, but the idea of, of relying on something, especially relying on something every night is not a, it's not a good idea. Oh, I had another question too, because you mentioned, I think you mentioned also in the book about sleep apnea and this is okay. So uh, let's just say one of the most, um, one of the things that couples uh, go through in addition to either agreeing or disagreeing with finances, okay. And money is if one person snores or if they both snore, but one person right. is woken up by it. And um, what is the, do you know what the phenomenon, why is it that we snore? I, I, I am always curious because it is the strangest noise that is being emitted by our partners and ourselves, yeah, so but glad. we don't think we snore. <laughs> right, right. We're like, I don't I'm snore. I'm really glad you asked this. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you asked this actually. It's a great question. And, it's really important, actually. So sleep apnea, which is what you're talking about, is when your airways close off either partly or completely while you're sleeping. And the reason that's important is if you have sleep apnea, besides driving your partner crazy and sometimes, you know, you hear stories of people that have to sleep in other separate rooms, you know, yeah. it's actually really bad for your health. People with sleep apnea are more likely to die. They die sooner. Their sleep quality is poor. They get heart disease from it. They're at greater risk of Alzheimer's. 
they're actually at greater risk of depression. You know, it's interesting because we talk about depression in, in why doctors skip breakfast. And one actual cause of depression for some people that, that people don't think about is sleep apnea if you, if you don't treat it. And so the way sleep apnea works is when you're asleep, you know, your muscles relax, right? And including the muscles in your throat. So your tongue, which is a muscle, relaxes. The back of your throat, the, the sort of soft, floppy tissues in the back of your throat, they relax. Your, your windpipe relaxes a little bit. And so does your breathing muscles. So you're still breathing, but what happens is your, your upper airway muscles, they, they relax. So if you don't have sleep apnea, this is no big deal. You still have plenty of air space to move air in and out. If you have sleep apnea, then the problem is that this relaxation caused your airway to get too narrow. And so it just, you're basically suffocating yourself at night. And so the snoring is a sound of air struggling to get around oh. this part, partly blocked right. throat. Right. So your throat's partly blocked off because those muscles relax and you have sleep apnea. And so you're hearing the air move. And people with significant sleep apnea, we deal with, you were talking about pediatric anesthesia, we deal with this all the time. We do these tonsillectomies in kids. You'll, you'll listen to kids, you ask parents, they'll tell you, the kids will snore, 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 and then there'll be no sound at all. Right. And a little bit of time will go by with no sound. And then you'll hear, and then they'll breathe again, and then a little later they'll snore again. And so what happened is they had actual apnea, meaning they didn't move any air. Mm. So they were struggling to move air, and then they moved zero air, so they were quiet for a moment. And so here's what happens with sleep apnea. You go to sleep, right? Your, your throat relaxes, you start getting some obstruction, you snore, and eventually your throat closes off and you're not getting enough air. And your body is panicked because you are suffocating. Correct. And then what you do is you wake up quickly. You may not even realize you woke up, but you may be not aware of it, but you wake up quickly, you take a good deep breath, and then you fall back to sleep. And the cycle repeats over and over and over again throughout the night. And you hours. may not even know this is happening. Right. right. And so you end up getting this Swiss cheese sleep where your sleep is disturbed the whole night and you get very poor quality sleep. It keeps your partner up and it's very bad for your health. And so one of the things we talk about at why doctors skip breakfast is if you snore and particularly if you're sleepy during the day or when you wake up, if you feel like you're not refreshed, you wake up and you feel crummy, mm -hmm. you should consider getting checked out for sleep apnea because if you have it, there are things you could do to make it better. There is, um, so that's why you see the people with sleep, the, the, the machines at night. Is that to make sure that the oxygen or that their, their breathing um, doesn't, isn't interrupted? Right. So there's a few techniques, actually. One of them, and we actually detail this in the book. You could do this yourself. You were talking about sleeping on your back. It was perfect. You almost planted this. I, <laughs> yeah. uh, it turns out that the way you sleep has an impact on how well you breathe. So sleeping on your back is actually the worst position to sleep in. Correct. For breathing. Because if you can imagine, you know, if you're on your back, your tongue it's and everything off. else is right. it's falling back, right? It's blocking your 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 windpipe there. So if you have sleep apnea your snore, the first thing you want to do is train yourself not to sleep on your back. And there's actually a cool trick you can do. You should say, Well, how could I train my you I sleep the way I sleep? You could sell you could buy this or you could make it yourself. Sew like a tennis ball in the back of your pajama shirt. And uh, it makes right. sleeping You're not on, your sleep back. on your back. <laughs> Impossible. Right, because it's too uncomfortable, too uncomfortable. So the best position to sleep is on your left side down, but, uh, but it's also fine to sleep on your stomach or on your right side down. So sleep position is important. And then what you mentioned, the sleep, it's called the CPAP machine, a CPAP yes. machine. And what that does, there's different ones. You could fit over your face or it could fit kind of over your nose. There's different things. You have to find what works for you. I, you, I need a sleep specialist to help you with this. And what that does is it, it blows air in when you're breathing and it keeps your airways open when you exhale. So it kind of keeps your airways open with a, like a pump, a pump of air, basically. And, and, it, and it works really well. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but it works really well. And it's not, not the sexiest thing, Dr. Charlotte. It's not, it's not very, not very romantic, is it? Well, but you're comparing it to house-shaking house snoring. That isn't so sexy either. <laughs> I know. You know, I, you know, I'll tell you. I guess I've worked with these things. Some of them are actually pretty quiet and the new ones are really quiet. And I'll, I'll tell you, they're much quieter than the snoring and they actually take the snoring away. So it does look like you've got some goofy kind of space mask, 
you know, sci-fi thing on, you know, so that may not be too does sexy it, unless you're into sci-fi, but I'm wondering, if you're does quieter. It, does it train, are you, okay, so if you're a snorer, which, hello people, I know you're a snorers out there. <laughs> you don't think you are, but your spouse does. Um, is it possible that if you wear this machine, you have this machine and you use it for a while, does your body eventually get tricked into saying, oh, I need to open up my airways and I'm okay? Or if you're a snorer, you're always a snorer. That's an excellent question. Unfortunately, like for the rest of your life, are you going to gonna either live alone? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Unfortunately, the machine only helps you while you're using it. It doesn't train you. Okay. The, the, the sleeping position helps. And yes. for many people, that, that may be enough. Um, the other I, thing apparently you could I do, snore on my stomach. I apparently my wife says that I snore on my stomach. She says she doesn't snore, but I recorded her. I actually even recorded it last night, just to, just to make sure. She, uh, yes. Well, you could try sleeping on your left side. You know that is probably the best position. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that is probably the best position. You know the other thing that that there are things that make sleep apnea worse. So. Um, so if you drink alcohol, for example, close hey. to bedtime, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, I'm we found out the issue is. <laughs> <laughs> but if you drink alcohol close to bedtime, that makes sleep apnea worse. Um, yeah. uh, you know, weight gain makes sleep apnea worse. Yes. Uh, there, I mean, there are things that, that affect sleep apnea, but, but ultimately, and, and there are surgeries and things you could do to help it. So if you have severe sleep apnea, there's actually surgical options. Uh, kids get it all the time, but, but there are even ones for adults. But, um, but, but ultimately, I think for many people, CPAP is, is a good choice. And, and, and the thing is, it's actually, for most people, it's either free or nearly free because most, almost all insurance covers it. Oh, right, right, because it's a, that's a quality of life issue. It's a health issue as well. Right. Um, that we're not getting that, uh, number one, we're not getting that sleep, but we're also not getting that oxygen that we need for all of the, everything that we've got going on inside of our bodies is relying on that. Um, okay, now, so we only have a few minutes left, and I would be completely remiss if I did not ask you, um, we're in a situation right now where we're not, you know, er everybody is keeping a distance from each other, people are stressed, and um, I know, I know personally, this is why we go out of the box with, with Christine, I know that personally that stress and anxiety and worry and fear impact our immune system. So I just wanted to ask you during these times right now, um, what are some things, if you can give some tips, uh, tips and tricks for people, like high value things that people can be either supplements that we can take right now to boost our immune system, or if there's even little simple tricks, uh, you know, in the morning, make sure you splash your face with cold water. I don't know. <laughs> is there something that you're doing and you're talking to your family about doing right now in this, in this crisis situation? Can I tell you, like, I love this interview and, and yeah, if, you. you're li if, you're, if you're listening to this, I, I did not plant this question, but I love this question. Actually, this is one of my favorite questions because you know, everybody talks about social distancing, which is important. I'm not in any way criticizing that, but the piece that people forget is what can you do to strengthen your immune system? The yes. fact is that, 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 unfortunately, most of us are probably going to get exposed to coronavirus despite our best efforts. If it doesn't happen now, it'll happen next month. You know, it's going to happen most likely for most of us at some point. So the thing is, what can you do to make your immune system stronger? So when you're exposed to it, you do okay. Right. And lots of people, they got coronavirus and it was like nothing. You know, it was like water off a duck's back. It didn't affect them. Other people, they get it and they're in the ICU. You don't want to be one of those people in the ICU. You want it where maybe you have a runny nose or something and that's it. So there are things that you can do. And, and there's actually good research on these immune treatments for viruses similar to the coronavirus. So what I'm going to recommend isn't specifically for COVID-19 because it just came out. There isn't you know, enough research on it. But for things very, very similar to it. So almost certainly it's true. One of them, you know, at risk of sounding like a broken record, is getting more sleep. And there was this amazing study done where they looked at people that had seven hours of sleep versus people that had less than six. So not a big difference. And they exposed them. This is one of those things, I don't know how they found volunteers for it again, but they exposed them to a virus similar to coronavirus. 
it turned out the people that had less than six hours of sleep were more than three times more likely to get sick from this virus. Just that little bit of difference in sleep had a huge effect on whether or not you got sick from a virus similar to the coronavirus. So number one, get your sleep. You know, if you're, if you're at home, I, I think personally you don't have much excuse not to get sleep. We're all, you know, in our houses. But if you want to protect yourself, sleep is number one. The next thing is, you know, zinc is another great thing. There's been lots of cool studies with zinc. I, you know, I'm a big believer in zinc. I take it all the time. I, I push it. It's, it's, it's cheap. It's easy. It really seems to have almost no side effects. I, I would recommend taking it both regularly and, and probably taking some extra doses of it if you think you're getting sick. Another thing that's interesting, actually, is probiotics. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement about it, you know, for all kinds of stuff. But probiotics seem to improve the immune system. And so what I recommend is people take probiotics. And there was a cool study where they looked at kids and they were going into, I think it was preschool or something, and some of them were given probiotic supplements and some weren't. And the ones that had the probiotic supplements were much less likely, again, to get sick with respiratory viruses similar to the coronavirus. I mean, it's a very dramatic difference. Right. If you're going to take probiotics, which I'm personally a big fan of, there's a different ways to do it. You can find what suits you. You know, kombucha, I think, is great. Uh, kefir. There's dairy, uh, non-dairy versions if you're a vegan. Uh, sauerkraut. I'm a big fan of sauerkraut. I, I put it on everything. And then also you could take probiotic pills. If you're going to take a probiotic pill, uh, my recommendation is you want to get one that has a variety of different organisms. I, I don't think the ones that just have one organism is, is no, I don't think that's the best. No, a wide variety is what I've heard too. Yeah. Right. Because the one thing about probiotics, I love them. I'm a big fan of them. I think they're great. The only thing is we're not exactly sure how much to take and exactly which organisms to take. So therefore, I recommend you know trying to take a variety of them. That way your bases are covered. Well, one of the interesting things is that I have um, I have some dear friends that have a business. They have a external probiotics um, uh, company, and they it's uh, probiotic sprays, cl cleaners, and and things like that, uh, and it, and skincare as well. And what's interesting about probiotics and why it's so fascinating right now. Um, so there's the, the biofilm that viruses and germs have, they create. And I know because I had a, an infection, a, a, you know, in, in my body and the biofilm, which is like this breeding, you know, they can multiply and grow the probiotics that are at least on this external, uh, probiotics, it doesn't kill the germs per se, but it starves them. In other words, then they don't have the ability to replicate and grow and grow and grow. So it basically starves their food source out. It cuts mm. through that biofilm, which is brilliant. And I, it's like, I think that's really the, I mean, again, we're not giving medical advice here. We're not saying this, but it, it isn't that interesting right now that we actually have something instead of, killing and our we we do this in in medicine and science you know killing the 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 germs killing the you know this if you can work with nature right and adapt it and just starve it so it doesn't have the ability to proliferate like mold then we're way ahead of the game and and you know and also and those things that you mentioned are actually quite tasty i i love kefir i like I, you know i do like sauerkraut although I'm used to just putting it like on a, you know, on a meat product, but <laughs> I don't know about just having straight up. Do you mix sauerkraut with, with food, with food or you just do it straight up? Yeah, I throw it, I, I throw, I try to throw it on, you know, whatever I can, you know, having rice, noodles, you know, whatever it goes well. You know, another thing actually that tastes good that, that might have some antiviral effects is garlic actually. Yes. Uh, there have been some studies on this, not as clear, but I love garlic and there's lots of good research that garlic is good for lots of things. So I'm pretty much pouring garlic. I was lucky enough. I got it before the, the quarantine, but I got one of those huge Costco, you know, those gigantic garlic things. So I just pour garlic on everything, you know, probably don't want to be too close. It's good, it's good yeah. that we have a video, good <laughs> that we have a video interview here. Uh, but, you know, uh. but you know what you said about nature actually is very good. You know, the thing is, Unfortunately, you know, as, as terrible as this virus is, 
one thing it's done is it's reminded us how connected we are to nature and that we as living things and as humans, yeah, we have technology, we have houses and everything, but we're still part of nature just like everything else. And our yes. bodies were evolved or designed to be in nature. And one of the great sources of probiotics is nature, you know, decaying leaves, dirt, you know, touching trees, you know, stuff like that. And the problem is that we often live these sterile lives and, 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 and so we're not exposed to as many of the good stuff that our ancestors were. And, you know, it's, it's been a problem for us. So that, so we have to either intentionally go back into nature or we have to, you know, supplement it somehow with the right foods. And, you know, your cream you mentioned, I hadn't heard about that, but that's a brilliant idea. I like that. I'll idea. send you a link. <laughs> yeah, please do. No, and it's so important to just the, the idea of being able to go outside and get vitamin D and sunshine right. and fresh air. And uh, we, we, we're very close to, we're pretty close to a beach here. And so just the feeling of having your, your shoes off and your feet in the sand and, and feeling the water, even if it's cold, that connection to nature and to Mother Earth, we really are missing that in our cities. I know people that have, uh, I mean, other than being in their house, they, their kids have not, their feet have not touched the earth, you know, right? like dirt and sand and ocean and grass we really do. We really do need to think about this. Uh, and particularly right now, it's a great time to start. So right, I want right. to thank you so much. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation. You're welcome back anytime, Dr. Trollope. I, I really oh, do. Oh, thank you. Um, so why don't you, if you don't mind for our, well, for our viewers, um, but also for our listeners, remind them again, the name of the book. And um, I'm sure I know it's on, I know it's available on Amazon because I already checked it out, but also how they can find out more about you and throw out your website as well so that they can um, come visit you on your website. Yes, absolutely. So the book is called Why Doctors Skip Breakfast, Wellness Tips to Reverse Aging, Treat Depression, and Get a Good Night's Sleep. And right now it's available. You can get it on Amazon as a paperback and also as a Kindle. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can actually get it for free as part of the Kindle Unlimited program. And then uh, we expect to have an audio version if you're an audio listener. I'm, I'm an audio listener. So uh, that, I hope, will be out in about a month or so, maybe a month and a half. And so audio, Audible will be out. If you want to read more about me, uh, I have a website, Gregory Charlop, and that's spelled G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-C-H-A-R-L-O-P-M-D.com, GregoryCharlopMD.com. And I have a blog there. You can actually contact me there if you have questions. I do uh, see patients by telemedicine by special appointment. We have a wellness clinic where we do special wellness uh, appointments, telemedicine appointments. So if you're interested in these lifestyle things, um, I do see a limited number of patients that way. And you can contact me from GregoryCharlotteMD.com. I also use um, Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm pretty busy on those things. So you can, if you're into social media, you can find me there. I haven't quite gotten into Instagram or TikTok yet, but. Uh, oh, but, but yes. I, I, I'm staying away from the whole TikTok thing. <laughs> I, I waste too much time on Facebook and LinkedIn. I don't even know how I'd be able to get through the day if I added another social media. Well, when you, I highly recommend, because uh, I have a lot of fun with this, I highly recommend that you do Zoom. You, uh, and you make Zoom available to stream on your Facebook and do a Facebook Live with Zoom so people can actually come and join you and ask questions. And everybody on your Facebook uh, list gets to see your, uh, you know, your, your conversations. Open it up for like a healthy happy hour or something like that. Oh, that's cool. I like that idea. That would be fun. That would be fun. Everybody can have their, you know, their kombucha. Yeah, all those good stuff well you know it's uh, funny i don't know if i have one second but I, my yeah. friend of mine was telling me because he's like this social butterfly extrovert he's like yeah we did this social happy hour on zoom and he's like we had i, I said like how does that work doesn't everybody talk over each other and he's like it worked pretty well i said how many people do you have he's like we had 16 people yeah. I mean, it's hard enough having a conversation with 16 people in a room. I don't know, like, if you're drinking oh, alcohol no. and on a computer. I, I just don't see how that works. But I guess oh, no, I no. It's very good. There's, there's, uh, there's some kind of instant netiquette that people get. And they'll, first of all, as a host, you can, you can mute everybody uh, and then just choose, you know, they can raise their hand and you'll see them raise their hand. But um, also, for some reason, people behave very, very well, mm. even after a couple wines. 
<laughs> he said they do end pretty quickly because people get drunk faster than uh, you would normally. You don't yeah, well, the they're home, they're, you know. <laughs> it's okay, they're not driving. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dr. Gregory Charlotte, thank you so much for, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And again, it's the website is Gregory Charlotte md.com correct yeah and that's spelled c-h-a-r-l-o-p md.com yeah awesome thank you again come back on out of the box with christine anytime and i want to thank you wonderful listeners and viewers remember you can on youtube you can share this video it's so easy to do share it on uh, your social media if you like and also there's links to the, the doctor's uh, website on here. There's a link also to the book. You can click on that and, and purchase the book right away. And make sure you share this information. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, please be safe and healthy and happy. Sending unconditional love to you all. And always remember to stay out of that damn box. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up another edition of Out of the Box with Christine, the podcast for conscious folk. And it has been an absolute honor being with you today. For more information on this program, please visit outoftheboxwithchristine.com. And if you'd like to book a private coaching session on how to expand your business or how to create your own podcast, feel free to contact me directly at christineblasdale.com. That's christineblasdale.com. I would love to help you navigate this journey called life. Until then, remember as always to think outside that damn box. Bye for now.